0: Ladies and gentlemen, grunts and girls, welcome to Bullets to Beans. I'm your host, Doc Jay. This is the 14th of March, 2020. We've got a good show for you today. First of all, we're going to get into talking about why we haven't had a show in a couple of weeks, and then we're going to get into the world's favorite topic right now, coronavirus. coronavirus. Let's get started. So in the intro we talked about not having a show for a couple of weeks, and that's not a surprise for the people who do subscribe. Obviously, there hasn't been a show available, and you haven't had anything new drop in your subscription. So where have I been? What have I been doing? In a nutshell, if you think back of the first two or three episodes about transition slide rule and dealing with, you know, post traumatic issues, post traumatic stress issues. Personally I've been going through some shit kind of at work, just some stress and some challenges because of the nature of my job. And then when you compound all of that with, you know, a warrior who challenges himself every day by doing too much, biting off more than he can chew, trying to be a perfectionist, having a little CDO, you know, when you, when you put all that together and mix it up in a bowl, what you get is me, uh, who for about two weeks shut down. Just with challenges at work, everything that was going on in my life, I really got to a point where I was frozen. And I thought back to the show we did about the transition slide rule and my slide rule shifted way to the left. So, you know, I had lots of stressors going on in, in life uh, with work, with Remedy Alpine, the, the stress of trying to produce a show, something that although it's therapeutic and that I enjoy doing. I put pressure on myself by starting a project and then the commitment to continue it. And then various other things, work travel, some personal travel. We were going to talk about, if you, if you think about the lead-ins for the next shows, the other programs with Wounded Warrior Project, specifically Project Odyssey, we're still going to review that. That's likely going to be next week, you know, but I, I thought it was important to at least share my own challenge with folks. Maybe some folks can... Either empathize or relate to it kind of personally. Typical stress at home, one child turning 18, one child getting ready to turn 21. So, technically, I guess I have no more children. I have young adults now. Everything that was going on in my life, just pressure after pressure after pressure, you know, feeling like there's no escape and, and just tons of demands. What resulted was me shutting down, me having some very Hostile emotional outbursts that my wife was beautiful enough and experienced enough to tolerate and to help redirect me. But I became frozen. I became frozen with indecision. I became frozen with inaction. The simplest tasks became insurmountable and then I lost my work efficiency which became a snowball effect. I'm having to talk myself down off of panic and anxiety attacks so I'm not getting anything done so I'm I'm having to work harder to get to a place where I'm functional and working and then when I finally get into my workflow into my email trying to figure out what's the you know my top five important tasks for the day I realize how far behind I am and then the anxiety starts showing itself again and it just became this you know compounding issue of stress be getting more stress be getting more stress and I'm, quite honestly I shut down and I had to look at what was important and what was the, the most important things that I had to accomplish. Not to keep paying my bills, I gotta keep feeding my family, you know, they like to eat. And so the, the the show took a back seat here for a couple of weeks. So I apologize about that, but for the intended audience, I don't think there's an apology needed. I think what's more important is for people that might be going through some challenges or that might be going through some of their own struggles right now to look at somebody who by and large, uh, and I don't know why people think that I'm I'm some huge veteran success story because I'm not, but you know, I hold a, an executive level position. I own a foundation. I'm a volunteer for the VFW and a couple other organizations locally. So for some reason I've been deemed a pillar of the community, which is I think I just have people snowed better than others. But if people look at me and, and think that, you know, that I'm a strong character or leader within the veteran community, I'll accept that to a certain point only to use it as a lesson to help other people or to try to help other people. So if I'm somebody that people deem as a strength, a potential pillar, and if I crumble and if I have challenges and I slide left on my slide rule from time to time, it can happen to anybody. Nobody's immune to it, right? I think for the veterans that are are challenged with post-traumatic stress, TBI, just the the invisible wounds of war, it's been a a nice blanket statement for certain things that people can't see. If it can happen to the strongest people or people think are the strongest, as people. It can really happen to anybody. But what's important, which ties back to some previous episodes as well, is, you know, the personal accountability and personal responsibility. I could have totally wallowed in my own self-destruction, blamed it on a bunch of a myriad of effects, you know, whether it's stress from work. And I found myself starting to get into those rabbit holes, right? Uh, where I was blaming other people. And although other people might have contributed and might have been to a certain degree, uh, a valid contributor to my stress, it's not their responsibility to pull me out of It's my own responsibility to pull me out of it, especially as it relates to maintaining employment. So uh, I had to look deep in my toolbox and find all the tools that were available for me, past experiences, kind of some internal dialogue, some very intense internal dialogue over the last couple of weeks, and then rely on the people that I know that I can trust. Some of my most trusted confidants, one of which, the most important of which, my wife, to help me through some some challenging situations. Again, I think this is not intended and it wasn't by design, but a good recap of, you know, episode two and three of some of the challenges that we continue to face and the the fact that we're never truly out. We might be more healed one day and then slide backwards the next. So I, I hope that's a good learning point. I hope it's a it, it's a useful example that others can fall back on and okay, I can I can you know, uh, I can assimilate with that, or I can understand what he's going through, and 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 if nothing else, understand why there hasn't been a show for a couple of weeks. So, on that note, uh, we are going to talk about a couple other things today. On previous episode, I dropped a you know a shout out to uh, one of my former warriors and combat medic, Jonah Maddox, comedian Jonah Maddox. We're going to talk about an event that he's doing and putting together later this year down in Dallas. We'll give some details around that, and we're going to continue to plug that for the rest of the year until we get to that event. And then we are going to talk about coronavirus. We are going to get to the Veteran Service and Veteran Support Organization series uh, for the next four or five episodes. But given one, given my background and experience, which I'm not claiming to be an an expert in this stuff, but I do have some tangible experience that's relevant. Uh, And given, quite honestly, the hysteria, the panic, and kind of the crisis mode around COVID-19 and coronavirus virus that's happening in pretty much every community across the United States right now. I felt it was important to, at least from my basis of experience, from my perch, to try to level set some things. So that's what we're going to get into next, folks. So stay tuned. before we get into the coronavirus and the pandemonium that's happening in every community across the globe right now before we get into that i want to start to briefly intro and go into an event that's going to be happening in Dallas, Texas, November 11th of this year so hopefully we're through the coronavirus and we're past the pandemonium and we're back to normal society by then but in the uh, in the intro i I talked about my former soldier, now comedian, Jonah Maddox, giving him a shout out on a previous show. Uh, and we're going to start hearing a lot more about him. One of the things that this guy is doing as a comedian, and I'm really proud to see his leadership come out, he's starting to get into comedy show production, which knowing Jonah, his capabilities, everything that I know about him, I think I really look forward to seeing the projects that he puts together and opportunities for me to work with him potentially on some of these. But the first one he's putting together is at a club called Four Day Weekend. It's in Dallas, Texas. Again, it's going to be November 11th, of this year, 2020, and it's going to be a comedy show and all the comedians are veterans. How fucking cool is that? So it's going to be probably some twisted humor. It's going to be stuff that probably only we'll understand. All the proceeds are going to go to benefit the Defenders of Freedom Foundation. It's a nonprofit that benefits veterans. So we're going to get into more of that as we go. We've got the next few months to keep talking about this. Jonah and I, as a, as we've been talking about this just over the last 24 hours or so, Jonah's going to be a guest on the show. Show here in another week or so, he's going to put some more of the details together so he can, we can start talking about it more as reality and not just a hypothetical thing. Uh, but this is an event that's coming up, so if you're in the Dallas area or if you can be in the Dallas area on Veterans Day this year, it's going to be a kick-ass show. Again, the club is called Four Day Weekend. It's in Dallas. It's an all-veteran comic show, and it's going to all the proceeds go to benefit Defenders of Freedom. Remedy Alpine is potentially going to be one of the key sponsors of this event. And Doc J, I personally will be down at the event. I put it out in public. I'm going to be there for the event. So uh, I did that for a couple of reasons. One, so you know that I'll be there. Uh, and secondly, because now I have to fucking hold myself to it, right? Like I put it out there through the the whole inner sphere to to hear. So now I've got to go on and buy plane tickets, but I got to wait for travel bans to get lifted and dumb shit like that because of coronavirus. So that's it. Uh, look for more to come. We're going to be talking about this event throughout the year uh, on the the upcoming episodes. So now let's uh, let's start talking about some pandemonium and coronavirus. <laughs> All right, so the world's favorite topic right now, COVID-19 and coronavirus. So one and the same. As I I mentioned earlier in this episode, I have a little bit of background and some experience on this. And let me clarify that just so folks understand the basis of which I'm talking from. So in 2005, while still on active duty, assigned in Fort Monmouth, New Jersey, I was the facility security manager for Patterson Army Health Clinic, which was a large multifunctional, multi-specialty uh, simple outpatient clinic. It wasn't a hospital. In my role there, I was on the Garrison Security and Response Action Committee. And if you recall back in 2005, we were dealing with H5N1 avian flu or bird flu. So I was on the pandemic response and planning team for that. And then still in uh, on active duty during 2009 for the H1N1 potential pandemic. Uh, I, I wasn't 100% proactively involved at the same level on that one, but I was a, a senior healthcare official at an Army Hospital then too at Fort Wainwright. So I was receiving briefings and updates at a, a more internal level than what I am now. So, so from those experiences and then just from working in healthcare for the last 27 years this is this is my interpretation. I'm not going to cite a ton of statistics. I'm not going to go into trying to do anything other than hopefully help quell some of the bullshit pandemonium that's happening within the society in just about every community in North America right now. I'm sure it's happening across Europe too, but we're going to stick to our borders cuz i mean we're this is a US veteran podcast. We're going to talk about the United States. So first let me talk about toilet paper. It seems to be the most top the most talked about topic on Facebook, most social media. So how did we get to where everyone now fucking cares about Charmin? Well, that I do know the precise answer to. It was about 2 weeks ago, maybe 16 days ago, at the onset of the the real kind of serious discussion around COVID-19, the U.S. Department of Health and Social Services put out an advisory. And in that advisory, they were given cautionary measures to take if it were to transition to a pandemic scenario, which it has. It has been classified as a pandemic. So in that advisory, they advised uh, to limit public exposure and to change your habits around visiting areas of, of, of large concentrations of population. And then if it does, if the infections get really bad in your local area, be prepared to shelter in your home for two to three weeks to avoid exposure to reduce risk of infection. At the bottom of this advisory, they had a list of supplies that people commonly overlook when preparing for an event such as this. Item number one at the top of that list was toilet paper. And I can understand why, having kind of dabbled in the the prepper society a little bit, friends that are preppers and uh, self-proclaimed preppers, some that are closet preppers, some that are actually hardcore preppers that don't think that they're hardcore preppers. Me, myself, just living in Alaska, we have earthquakes, we have extreme weather uh, situations. We're, We're landlocked from the rest of the country, so we're heavily reliant upon cargo and freight, You know, if the port gets locked out or the port gets damaged or something happens, planes can't land. So just naturally, you know, we have you know, a couple of weeks worth of supplies in our house, typically most times. You know, when that advisory went out, what I've talked to a lot of people about and in talking with folks, a lot of people that are hoarding supplies or a lot of people that are searching for toilet paper, they don't even know why they're searching for toilet paper. In the discussions I've had with folks and some of the, the posts and blogs that I've gone to, I'm finding a lot of people are just doing it because everyone else is doing it. But the, the root cause as to why Charmin is now a hot commodity because of a health and social services advisory from a couple of weeks ago. So that clears up the toilet paper debacle as to why everyone wants, you know, even though neither a sign or a symptom of this disease is diarrhea, incontinence, or any of the such, everyone seems to be full of shit now and needs toilet paper. That's why. So let's talk about hoarding. Let's talk about the the unnecessary draining of supplies and, quite frankly, just being a social asshole to your neighbors. You know, I did read an article this morning that, that dealt with this guy, uh, these two guys. Uh, they were in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area. And at the onset of all of this, they drove around and evidently through going to dollar stores, kind of offloading stores and retail outlets, they accumulated over 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer, uh, Purell and the, the likes. And then what they started doing is they were flipping it on an Amazon store. And then they got shut down by Amazon, thank goodness, for price gouging because what they paid a dollar for at Dollar General or a similar store, they were charging $20 for on Amazon. In in their defense, you know, they were in the article, they, they, they cited, you know, it's a hazardous material, so shipping was $10 and, you know, our labor to acquire this blah, 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 blah. They were trying to justify the margin that they were trying to charge to people. And at the end of the day, they were charging $20 for something that they paid a dollar for. And the reality was they created an unrealistic demand for the product and a run for the product because they went and bought all this shit. You know, they would have had to pay $10 in shipping to ship it to people if they would have just left it alone And, you know, Joe Public could have just bought it on their own. So it was it was this bullshit story as to trying to justify why they were going to flip a one dollar bottle of Purell for 20 bucks. So that's just one story of uh, a few that I've heard and read about in the last week or so as uh, this pandemic crisis has really kind of kicked off the hoarding of supplies. You know, given the fact that social isolation and sheltering in place is something that's being advised and for the right reasons, but take into consideration how much of what you need, you know, and and maybe not buy all of it. You know, and and I saw a meme this morning and I hate citing memes as uh, uh, scholarly items, but... There was a meme that said, for the people who just bought all of the soap or all the, the hand sanitizer, keep in mind that to break the cycle of infection, your neighbor needs to keep their hands clean too. And there's something to be said about that. That was probably one of the best memes that I'd seen in, in a long time about this, just because that's the truth. People are overlooking, you know, it's the meat culture. Uh, everyone's all worried about themselves. But really, if you if you are truly worried about yourself, take the supplies that you need Leave what's available for your your brethren and your neighbors, so they can be adequately prepared. Because if if you create a sense of just uncleanliness, because your neighbors and other people in your community can't protect themselves and stay clean, because you bought all the supplies, or if you hoard, uh, or a few people hoard all the food, and now you create a situation where a certain subset of the population might be now in a situation prone or threatened by malnourishment, because they can't maintain themselves. Because there's little or inadequate food supplies available, you know, we're creating this domino effect. We're creating this cascading effect where the me, the me culture of our society is just going to propagate this issue and, and quite honestly make it worse or make it sustained longer than what we need. So let's talk about, I've, I've had some people reach out to me and ask me questions just because of my background and work in healthcare. You know, is this something that is a farce? Is it really just a, a new strain of flu? You know, hey doc, what's what's the the real skinny here? And from the research that I've done and everything that I've read in bouncing that off of my experience and the, the training and knowledge that I do have, this is not another strain of flu. This is worse. This is something that needs to be taken very serious but it doesn't need to be overreacted to. So quite honestly, folks, calm the fuck down, okay? First and foremost. Secondly, just do basic things. You know, yes, avoid large public assemblies. That doesn't mean don't go out in public. Wash your hands. You should be clean anyway. Don't, you know, stop being a dirty bird. And if you only started washing your hands before and after you went to the bathroom or after you went to the bathroom or before you ate now well then you were dirty to begin with you know well at least something changed your mind but you know you should be practicing you know clean hand hygiene and simple social respectable things like coughing or sneezing into the pocket of your elbow or covering your cough that's just general rule of you know maintaining and protecting everyone else from cough cold flu season stuff so if people are just now changing their behavior then you know at least something caused a change for what it is you know you, should have been doing this shit all along. So let's talk about uh, some of the misnomers about it. Right now, statistically, based off the evidence or the numbers, the sampling rate that they have, they're saying it's about a 3.8% mortality rate or death rate. And the average common flu has about a 0.01% death rate, if I'm not mistaken. So although tons of people, and they like to cite the, the people that are saying this isn't that big of a deal, they like to say, well you know, a hundred thousand people have died or whatever the, the number is. I can't remember off the top of my head from flu strain this year. Look at the number of infected people and do a quick math equation. Yeah. Yes. Millions of people have gotten the flu this year and a lot of people have died from it, but the mortality rate isn't that great. Now, the mortality rate for COVID-19, I think, is largely overstated. I said just a second ago that it, right now, I believe it's reported at 3.8%. I really think it's closer to 25 How I centered on that 25 is just a very educated dart throw. And the reason that I think it's overinflated uh, or falsely inflated, the sampling rate is falsely inflated. I know of some people uh, not in the state of Alaska. So since a large listening population is here, I'm not talking about Alaska. I'm talking about other states. I know people in other states that could, quite possibly have COVID-19. They had exposure to people from China about the time that it was coming over. And that was the major screening criteria. They had common symptomology. They had, you know, a fever, they had a sore throat or a cough, uh, but they were young, young by being 30s or 40s and relatively healthy. And to avoid part of being part of the hysteria or the chaos, they did very smart self-isolation, maintained hydration status, used antipyretics like Tylenol medications to help control the fever. And they they didn't, feel like their life was in danger so they didn't go to the hospital could they have quite possibly had covid-19 yes it's quite possible they had the risk factors that they were screening for they're not part of the sampling rate they were never officially tested for covid-19 and that's just two cases that i know of personally in my you know my sphere's kind of small when you think global so how many other people have or potentially had COVID-19 and then just self-treated, didn't go to the hospital because they were young and healthy and didn't think that their life was truly at risk. And so they're a COVID-19 survivor, but they're not part of the overall infected sampling rate. So do I think that this has a higher than normal mortality rate compared to the common flu? Absolutely, yes, I do. Do I think it's as high as what they're saying? No, I don't. And again, that's not based off of tons of scientific data In a lot of analysis and crunching. That's me looking at high-level facts, reading reports. And I do read the the daily SITREP from the World Health Organization. I do read the daily update from the CDC. And I do try, because I work in healthcare, I do try to stay well-informed. I I do have uh, what I think is a, a fair basis of understanding of the current situation. But again, as I stated in my credentials before, I'm not claiming to be or trying to pretend to be um, an infectious diseases specialist or a forensic epidemiologist. I'm just somebody who works within the industry and tries to be informed. So what does that mean kind of going forward? What's, what's Doc J's prediction? So here's what I think is going to happen. I think that we're on the, the, the entry-level rings of this. I think we're just on the, the, the starting cusp of this problem. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think we could have anywhere from another two to six months of COVID-19 living in everybody's life. I think that the social impacts are going to continue to happen and increase. So with that in mind, understanding that you know everything, all the writing on the wall, everything that an educated person should be able to ascertain from this... You know, what can you do? Well, start by being a good neighbor. Start by being a good citizen within your community. Keep a week to two weeks worth of supplies for things on hand, and don't fucking buy the store out. That's absolutely asinine. You know, I in in Anchorage there was a COVID nineteen supply sharing Facebook page that was just started, uh, which I thought was incredible. And and quite honestly, I'm not surprised from the Anchorage community because one of the the awesome things that I saw during the earthquake at the end of 2018, which makes me feel comfortable about our community now that we'll be able to survive things long term. There is some hoarding and stuff going on, which has me a little concerned just because asshole is coming out on people. But in the earthquake in 2018, there was absolutely zero looting that happened. And what you saw is people turned to social media and they started trading needed supplies. Some people needed wood uh, for the fireplace and they had tons of water, but not enough firewood. And so people were setting up trades. Hey, I'll, I'll bring you five gallons of water for you know a trunk full of firewood. And people were bartering and trading with each other to make it through the crisis. And so I was very refreshed to see an invitation in my my Facebook box to be invited to this page. And I'm not surprised that the local community has turned to this to try to support each other. That's very common for the Alaska frontiersmen, the, the typical folks of, of this state. I hope that that's happening in other communities. I know looking at the, the page statistics or the, the show statistics that the show is followed heavily in other states, uh, not just in Anchorage uh, or in Alaska. So and if, you, if you're in a community where you haven't seen something like that, start it. Be that leader within your community that says, hey, we can be better than this and kind of digging from the bootstraps of episodes one, two, three, four, and five, right? You know, we we have some personal responsibility and as veterans, everyone likes to use the cliche terms that, you know, we're America's greatest asset. Well, this is the time to stand up and prove that we are America's greatest asset, right? Show that community leadership. And if you don't have organizations either in social media or, you know, physically that are trying to help be the voice of reason, then be that person that's trying to be the voice of reason. If you're one of the assholes that has a garage full of Purell and Clorox and Charmin right now, then reach out to see who needs it and consider bartering, trading at fair market value. Fair market value being what that shit was worth three weeks ago, not what it's worth on the black market today. And just be a good steward of your uh, local society. I'm sure that this will not be the only time that we talk of COVID-19 on our show. I just stated that I believe that we've got anywhere from two to four to six months left of this. It's going to continue to get worse before it gets better. So anticipate that this is what we will talk about from time to time. If there's any major updates, since I quasi insider working in healthcare, if there's stuff that uh, that I'm hearing within the industry, by all means, I will share it on this show. But the summary of the show for today, folks, is be a good neighbor, take care of each other, use common sense, and don't be part of the hysteria in the panic be prepared, take care of yourself and your family, just push through this as best as we can. So that's the the crux of the show for today. We will come back in just a moment and give an update on some Remedy Alpine stuff and talk about upcoming shows. So stay with us. All right. So events coming up for Remedy Alpine next weekend on the 21st, we're doing a summit climb of Gold Star Peak. We're supposed to have some overnight traverses out in Hatcher Pass. Some of that's weather dependent. Avalanche hazards have been kicking up. So safety being paramount, our spring climbs are going to be heavily dependent on the terrain and the avalanche hazard. Coming up on May 1st is the Black Diamond Street Party in downtown Anchorage. Remedy Alpine will be out there. Come hang out with us, Black Diamond and the other outdoor adventure organizations. Listen to some good music. Matanuska Brewery will be there. So that'll be a good time. We'll be updating the Remedy Alpine calendar within the next week or so. So look for updates. Look for our show next week. We'll be getting into the veteran service and veteran support organizations. Thank you for joining us this week. As always, Bullets to Beans is the official podcast of Remedy Alpine, reminding you to work the mountain and rest your mind.